0: And when you accept, and when you acknowledge that you are not helpless, that you can do something, what can you do? Well, I mean, that's up to you. Yeah. You can fucking do anything. Yeah. You just have to do something. But it starts with the acknowledgement and the acceptance that you're not helpless. Mm. And then, man, go and do, then do more, and then do more, and then change the world. Everyone you meet
1: every single day is fighting a battle you may know nothing about. We're all in the process of overcoming. I'm Justin Wren, and my story has been heard by millions of people through my book, my TED Talk, podcast interviews, TV shows, professional fighting, and my foundation, Fight for the Forgotten. I believe we are all overcomers, if we choose to overcome. We all have the option. I've been given the opportunity to overcome childhood trauma, sexual abuse, immense bullying, depression, suicidal ideation, substance use disorder, and I am a two-time suicide survivor. We are here to have conversations with some of the greatest minds of our time. Get ready to be inspired and to receive the tools and game plan to win this fight called life. Thank you for being here, for showing up for yourself. You, me, we have overcome 100% of our darkest days. I'm not done yet, and neither are you. This is your invitation to overcome.
0: Uh, I'm, I'm grateful you're here. I'm happy to be here. I love Austin. I love this weather. I love you. So oh. this is lots of love it's yeah. the effect of love well, i think amy knows i love you uh, i love you i uh, love, you, already, I love Tim. you here we go <laughs> the love triangle it's definitely premature <laughs> and there's lots of premature things that happen in my life and loving me too early might be one of them i don't know justin
2: already loves you so much <laughs> so that spills over so i'm yeah. willing to go on you know his recommendation there we go his love recommendation
1: right well, just because we got you already and the timing of the world, we'll just go ahead and get that out of the way with like Ukraine and oh, man. all the experience you have. And what is your take on that, the situation? I know that you posted about, y'all have teams with, uh, what is it, our Allied Forces? Uh,
0: save Our Allies. Save Our Allies. Yep. So I went to Afghanistan um, as part of a group to help evacuate Americans, um, our allies, and I mean, people that were just ultimately going to be horrifically murdered by the Taliban—Christians, <gasps> yeah. orphans, yeah. Uh, women, entrepreneurs, uh, artists. I mean, almost any woman in any occupation is on the like death list of the Taliban, which is kind of sad if you're Christian, obviously. So, uh, and then anyone that worked with the American government fighting terrorism while we were in this twenty-year war—they'll of course be on this list, right? So. I went over there with a um, a small team, and you know we we have moved since the evacuation began seventeen thousand people out of Afghanistan wow. in ten days. We moved twelve thousand people. Wow, um, this is about fourteen th- percent of total evacuees out of Afghanistan were m- moved by us. Wow, it's wild. That is so, wild.
1: I remember we were actually going to do this podcast and then you needed to go there. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, of course, man. Yeah. And was sending you a lot of love and keeping my thoughts and prayers and like, man, that's, but save our allies. What a, what a organization.
0: Yeah. And as we're talking, I currently, one of my business partners and best friends, Nick Palmisciano, who wrote my book with me, um, he's in the Middle East waiting to fly in to where we have a bunch of safe houses where we have people cached, where we'll move them on to one flight at one time and move them all out. And while he is over there, he's been, he's been there for a month now, the poor dude. Um, because things just can you know we need visas from one government we need Mm. permissions from this other embassy we need somebody to handwrite that this one person is going to be accepted even though that one person's holding up all this just bureaucratic crap about saving lives which totally sucks um and while we're doing this operation ukraine pops off yeah who is right yeah you know um so we were poised because We are by far the most effective at rescuing evacuations, humanitarian aid, getting things in and and both lily padding a lily pad is where I get somebody out of a war zone and I put them someplace for a short period of time before I put them somewhere else permanently. Mm, Right. So we we had all of these lily pads kind of built up already. So when Ukraine starts going, uh, a lot of questions like why are we involved in Ukraine? Um, I'm not talking about the politics I really don't care but I do value human life and I hate communism because communism ultimately ends in despair and death Mm. like I know that and I think anybody that looks at history can look at it and be like "Huh, how does communism end it ends the way that it ends right now in Ukraine Mm. which is bombs murder genocide and anyone is either a liar or ignorant to not acknowledge that this is how it always ends. And you're watching it in real time. And if you want more references, about 30 different examples throughout history, you can just use your history books, the ones that haven't been burnt yet or censored online. So that's why we're there is because I hate communism. And I think human life is important. And um, the first group of special operations, the Chechens that went in, were specifically looking to hurt and murder Christians. Right um, orphans, mm. everybody that's not of value to them. Yeah. I saw one of the tanks online
1: and it just ran over an elderly couple. Like it, it swerved so that it could run over literally this just innocent elderly couple. I think they're in their seventies.
0: Yeah. I mean, so you, you do these things like that, it, a very powerful video. Um, if you haven't seen it, you can just Google Russian tank runs over Ukrainian car Yeah, and you can watch it in real time. Uh, You you, you do do these things to one, it stops the flow of traffic, right? So you have just put a blockade and then it sends a message, a message like these are intentional things that they do. This wasn't like some mad person behind the wheel of a tank. This was a trained military person. That's like, I'm going to run over these people because it is going to send a message. Yeah. And they do these things. They're, they're bombing. They used a vacuum bomb yesterday. Uh, I don't even know what that is. It's horrible. It's, yeah, it's a bomb that goes like off, but it needs oxygen. It needs air. Oh, so for, it sucks all so the oxygen. So it sucks a ton of air in, and then it combusts that air, because for an explosion, you need you, you need a burnable material. You need air, and then you need heat. Mm-hmm. Well, it has two of the three elements, and the way that these work is it sucks all this air in, which gives this huge blast of overpressure, and it is a very... Um, overpressure wounds are gross. Yeah. I mean, they're they're uh, horrific, and uh, Russia used one last night. You know, like in a civilian era area oh, of a civilian city. So yeah, communism. Below, there mean, it is,
1: without a doubt. I mean, below the belt doesn't even go doesn't even describe it.
0: No, like they're 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 bombing capital cities in in Ukraine. Wow, just people. Well, I mean, I guess the scary thing would
1: be thinking i mean i've seen stuff circulating online of course thinking about a, a world war three potential do you think that's at all possible
0: it's it's always possible um in 1996 the ukrainian government handed over all of their nuclear weapons yeah, to the russians that. and uh, with the promise that they would never invade or attack the ukrainians so then putin comes on and he says well uh we're gonna we're gonna go in and invade and attack because we don't want Ukraine to have any weapons. They don't have any weapons. They literally handed them to the Russians. Wow. You know? And they're like, uh, and I think there's Nazism there. And then if you take a step back, like, well, the only form of fascism that I'm seeing used right now is the way that the Nazis, not the Nazis, the communists yeah. uh, are using literally Nazi tactics in the, the flash invasion, the propaganda news. Uh, they just passed a law. It's 15 years in prison if you speak out against the Russian government. Wow. In Ukraine or Belarus.
1: Wow. I, I saw a video of these elderly couples that were basically survivors of the Holocaust. And they were in concentration camps in like the 40s. And now they're in an underground bunker asking the world to unite. And I think uh, I could be getting this wrong, but I think they bombed or or attacked a, basically a Holocaust museum. No,
0: you them. are not wrong. Okay. So the current president of Ukraine is Jewish. Right. And the the hilarious, ironic, I I don't even know what to, I I want to call it a joke, but it's literally Putin saying we're invading to stop Nazism and the armament of the Ukrainian people. And the Ukrainian people are like, we have no arms. We gave them all to you in 1996. And our president is a Jew. (laughs) And all the while, the communists, Putin, is bombing a Holocaust museum. Like the one in the whole entire country of Ukraine is being bombed by the people there to save them from. You can't make this stuff up. Like yes, yeah, it's wild times. Yeah. I mean, it's terrible because it's actual human life,
1: and that's what you exist to do is protect and preserve human life. I mean, yeah. that's yeah, it's
2: part of your mission. Yes, yeah. ma'am. Why is no one taking out Putin?
0: He is hard to get to. Why um, is he so hard? To, like, so he's and probably, now he's costing
2: people money, from what I understand. All his oligarchs. Yeah, and then and a, so a, a how Russian, come they're not?
0: He, he's probably, if not the most powerful person on the planet, he's one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, he Shell Corporations. Yes, he's a government official. The lo- you know, the, like that man is powerful. A, a, a like an exclamation mark P, all uppercase, powerful <laughs> that we don't understand because when when you're running the one of the largest countries and most powerful countries with the most powerful military that has their fingers in everything that's buddies with China you know especially economically and is pretty much running all of the fuel running through Europe comes from them uh, like that's power we can't understand and and that's power that you can protect and insulate yourself with and it's with. a
1: compiling effect right because he's been in Charge for so long. Oh yeah,
0: I mean, yeah. way yeah. too compounding, long. Use compounding, compounding, because yeah, force m- multiplier, right? Yeah, both in dollars, power, and clout. So yeah. the longer that he's there, every you know, the dollar that he put here that then turned to two dollars, to four dollars, to eight dollars, sixteen dollars, like that continues to compound over time with all of his different fingers and all of the different pies and all of these different compounding ways, and you know, like he is powerful. I did see that a Russian. To you, Amy, a Russian millionaire just
1: said or billionaire said that anyone that kills him... I'm sure. Yeah, anyone that kills Putin would get a million dollars from him. He put a million-dollar tag on Putin's head.
0: Yeah, that's nothing, though. That's
1: nothing, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's crazy because I, I wanted to get your... maybe talking just about Putin because you're a martial artist, high-level, UFC. I mean, could have been champ. Like, you were just the man when it comes to martial arts, and I think that what comes with that often is to protect... And preserve and to serve through martial arts. Yeah. And Putin got his black belt in Taekwondo taken away and uh, revoked and Judo, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Revoked the federation. Literally, is like you because he was the.
1: Do you think he actually really had it? Because I've seen him go through there, and I mean, I didn't know if it was more for show.
0: No, he's he's good at Judo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's legitimate. Um practitioner but to get that revoked
1: artist. i I've, i personally haven't ever heard of someone getting their black belt That's revoked. pretty cool
0: yeah yeah <laughs> they're really cool it sends yeah. a message yeah not cool enough though um yeah so you know you know this more than anyone there's a refiner's fire that happens in on a wrestling mat hmm. on um a jiu-jitsu floor you know where you, your ego is is destroyed yes right? You, you, if you walk through the doors with ego, um, guys like you and me feed. Like we see, we see it walk through the door. I'm like, oh, that is, that guy is going to be yummy. I'm going to eat everything <laughs> about his soul. Yes, you know, absolutely. I'm going to drag him into the deepest oceans. I'm going to drag him to the deepest <laughs> depths, and I'm going to d- depth and I'm going to drown him there. Yes, you know, and and whatever what he ha- ego he had is going to be left there. Hopefully, yeah. And if he rallies enough. Mm-hmm. I will dr- bring him back to those depths again and drown him once more, you know? <laughs> yeah. And if uh, he what
1: comes what, back with like
0: a learner's hat
1: saying, show me how you did that, yeah. then it's awesome yeah. to take him and say, hey, here's cool how you do it. Right, absolutely. So um, When that ego kind of dies or is crushed and suffers or drowns and, and then come back with a, a learner's hat. I think he
0: hat. might've had a soul at some point, mm. but what does absolute power do? Corrupts, corrupts absolutely. Yep. You know, and he has absolute power. And we, you know, you, you look at—it's no different with our country. When you when you look at the career politicians that get absolute power, and they might have had great attentions at one time, but then you see what happens when they get that little bit of power—the compromises that happen, and then they get a little bit more power, and they make mm. more compromises. And at some point, every one of those steps backwards that they took from what were their, what was their. Integrity and their ethics, like the departure, the delta from where they were to where they are, it's not. There's no even semblance that is remotely familiar. Right, like they're just a different person that is self-serving and and at some point absolutely corrupt.
1: Yeah, you know, this might be taking a weird left turn, but it reminds me of. I I think most teachers get into teaching because they they have a great heart and they want to teach someone and they want to see those students on fire, ready to learn. But it's like almost as I mean I guess the great teachers get more and more into it ready to to mold that student even more as they age but like I remember going to public school and some of those teachers were just old and burnt out and like hated life and I, that's opposite it doesn't corrupt them necessarily but they're just
0: they're just burnt out and turned I it, off I th- I, 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 and I think you're right I think it yeah. does corrupt them though yes you know cuz they they are the absolute power of that classroom mm. And, um, you know, and the, and the school and the school school board is the absolute power of the children in that school or in that district. And I think there's some, you know, I, I look at my daughters who are you know freshmen and sophomores in college right now, and they have a lot of their friends that want to become teachers and they have like the purest souls yeah. and they're so excited and they want to go help and they want to go, you know, like share knowledge. Mm. And, and, and then you look at like at a 32 year old teacher that has been in there for 10 years. And you're like, what a horrible person you became. How, what happened from 22 idealists that just graduated, that's trying to get um, the credentials to go and teach, just finished your undergrad. You know, now you, you want to go into education. What happens in this 10 years? Well, you, ha- you got a little bit of power and you forgot what brought you there and you brought is you forgot that you're supposed to be a servant a selfless servant to these children and empower them to be to learn how to think for themselves instead you just become a tool a, a I think our
2: system doesn't help no. I know my sister taught for years well not that many years because she couldn't take it yeah. finally she was like I would just want to help people but they make it so hard yeah. there's all this bureaucratic red tape that I have to go through to do anything and Ooh. she's like and I can't help them the way that I want to and so I think. It, I don't know, you know, beats down your soul in some way.
1: Yeah, breaks them. Yeah. You know, so I think you all just did something cool for a school, but I want to tell you about a school that blew me away because they decided to take Fight for the Forgotten. This was a public school in Oklahoma City, uh, Edmond, actually. It's called Edmond Santa Fe, and they wanted to do a philanthropy week for our nonprofit. And what was so cool was that the teachers were all on board, the school board, uh, the parents were all on board. And these students of a high school raised $364,000 for fight for the forgotten. But I think they set up the culture, even though it was a public school, they set up the culture to where this is our focus for that very week. They did 36 fundraising events in a week's time. And there was like 36 kids on the the uh, school board or um, student council. And each one of them raised about $10,000 or more. And I was just epically blown away by that culture of that school doing it right. Like saying, get outside of, you know, just TikTok or YouTube influencing. Cause there were some kids at that school had millions of followers already, but to see their impact whenever they got all their followers from Twitch or whatever to focus on which we got to be a benefactor of it, it changed everything for that was right before COVID, which was February of 2020. And if we didn't get that, it would have been really hard to even survive as a nonprofit. Yeah. But that took us through that year and actually helped us grow. And that was our best year ever, but it kicked off with them. And that culture of doing something special, I think that's what you're doing at your school now.
0: Yeah. I mean, what you just summarized was the onus of what is going to happen was handed down to the individual hero. Well, I call them heroes, the child. Yeah. Right. The child was like, I get to do this. And, and they took, they had buy-in and they, they believed in the process and then you let them do it. Yeah. And they, and look what they did. 300,000. Yeah. Like that's, a, that's, wild. that's, that's wild. That's bananas. That's a yes. ton of money. Yeah. And you know, did the parents raise that money? No. No, it was the students. The, they the, did all the of kids it. Kids did that. Yes. Right. So that is what our school a hundred percent believes. Mm. We don't have teachers. We have guides yep. we don't have kids. We have heroes. And mm. the, and the, wow. the, we don't have classrooms. We have studios and the person in charge of everything in there is the child. Mm. They're in charge of their own education. They're individually responsible for their own work. They're just, when you go out to wrestle and uh, you win or lose, somebody gets their hand raised, you don't get to look around and and blame the teacher because they didn't teach you the curriculum right. You don't get to blame the textbook because it wasn't written in a format that is palatable to you. You know, you didn't like the lecture style. Whatever it is that you're going to try to blame, you're out there. And you just put work in, and you either won or you lost. And you are the one that is solely responsible for success or failure. And wow. that's how it should be with education. And yeah. if you empower and create a conducive environment where all, all I have to do is teach somebody how to critically think, and then give them the tools to learn a topic, whether it's history, chemistry, math, spelling, any anything, they can already critically think. And now I just give them the tools. Like I can hand a formula, an algebra, an algebra formula to somebody that can understand and think for themselves and figure it out. And then I have a guide there that's there to help them. And they do exactly what you did for Fight For Forgotten, forgotten is you just empower them to go and do something. Right. And they go and do something amazing. Yeah.
1: Because yeah. they're not being held back. That's right. They're There's not like a system. There's forward. not a bureaucratic a system. system beating them down.
2: Mm-hmm. What was that's it that? based in power probably no. already. Well, yeah, yeah, 100%
1: like... it is. Well, I got to go to the grand opening. Uh, that was epic. Yeah. That was one of, uh, I mean, from, I uh, did I tell you that I got to hold the American flag when yes, it started? You did. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it was, it was awesome. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry, I, I, I was very it. proud to be, or, or just excited yeah, to, to be able to support there. you. And it was beautiful. Uh, actually, do you have your phone on? Uh, I'm going to try to airdrop you something. Uh, do you have airdrop on? I do. The reason, uh, it's my favorite picture from that day and, there's a few of them. There's you with the American flag. There's you guys cutting the ribbon, but I'm airdropping you right now.
0: Received. Oh, that is a great. F-
1: yeah. Do you see, there's maybe three of them.
0: Yep. Do you see
1: one special person I'm with. Oh, my mom. Yeah. Look at this, Amy. I got a picture with his mom oh, and we really connected. And I saw she's- where
0: your great, big, sweet heart came from. Yeah. You know, She has a, f- she's a fierce lover. Yeah, she is. She is a a woman that loves passionately and fearlessly. Uh, I I think a lot of people view I I think you have a a very similar characteristic. And it's one of my favorite things about you is you're this massive, powerful man. You're like like a fierce fighter. You watch your fights. You're like, fuck, that guy's scary. (laughs) But you love fearlessly and fiercely. Mm. And that is that is something that is missing. In these days, where you know people have these layers of of um, cowardice, where they, they they don't want to expose themselves, they don't want to be transparent, they don't want to be vulnerable, right? They're gonna they're gonna project this thing on Instagram about who they are, and it's a lie. It's it's charades, you know, it's a shtick. Yeah. You know, and you are one of the very few people. Like, it's not this is you, um, and um, that's that's the same same person that my mom is. And it's a frightening yeah. thing when you're on the receiving end of that tough love sometimes, because that is also part of being real. And, yeah, uh, She's a fierce, fierce woman. Well, thank you. I, I, <laughs> I, I <laughs> love
1: you, mom. You Don't kill me. I do. Uh, she said she's going to listen, by the way. Uh, <laughs> whenever we connect, I said, I get to have you on. Oh, and Then
0: I just said the F and- word. Dang it.
1: <laughs> on it.com slash overcome. You know, those times when you're so into what you're doing that you can't think about anything else. The days when you finish your work without looking up once, how do you like to feel that kind of focus every single day? Whether I'm training for or in an MMA fight, or if I'm engaged in a new philanthropy project, or sitting down in front of an epic podcast host or guest. I want to get into that flow state faster and stay engaged longer. With AlphaBrain, you can. It's clinically studied nootropic ingredients support memory, mental speed, and flow state. That feeling of being in the zone. So you can be focused and productive anytime. It's a world renowned nootropic supplement with more than 1 million bottles sold. Why? Because it works! I know it works. I want you to, too. With its trademarked ingredient blends, Alpha Brain helps build an environment in which your brain can operate on all cylinders, promoting lasting mental clarity. It also helps your vision, too. You can save up to 30% when you try Alpha Brain today. Give yourself the gift of a healthier, higher functioning brain. That's a no brainer. Try Alpha Brain today. On it.com slash overcome. Well, I uh I'm I'm really grateful for what you said about me, but what is one of the biggest lessons you've learned from your mom? Because you honored her, your parents both at the grand opening and such. I thought it beautiful and yeah. sweet way.
0: The uh so they were very different humans. My dad is this like blue suit. Um, he was a narcotics officer that chasing down drug dealers and cartel members and pl- stole a plane full of co- cocaine from pablo escobar flew wow. from costa rica to the united states wow. and then distributed all of the cocaine this is papa bear yeah that's my dad. no wonder yeah. you're, you're you're you yeah, yeah so then they took all this cocaine and they and then they gave it to all the distributors and when everybody came to pick up their dope to go and sell like kind of fast and furious before fast and furious was fast and furious <laughs> yes. they didn't lose a single gram of coke wow. but then they hot then they arrested all of these people at one time that were you know Essentially, distributors for Pablo Escobar in the United States. Pretty rad. Wow. Not losing a single gram of cocaine as they had pallets. Holy smokes. We went to Madonna Inn in San Luis Obispo. That's so dope. No Ah, pun intended. Good one. I love dad jokes. (laughs) And uh, we bought apple pies for all of these dudes, my dad's partners. And we go into this like totally nondescript, just anonymous looking storage facility. And there's two pallets of cocaine a Porsche, a Corvette. And all of my dad's friends are sitting there with suppressed MP5s. And uh, and we're just like, I'm a nine-year-old walking in with apple <laughs> pie from Madonna Inn, being like, what's up, dad? You know, he's like, don't touch that. That's cocaine. I was like, okay, dad. Yeah, yeah. oh
1: man, that is a unique experience to grow up with.
0: Oh yeah, my, my, my life was bonkers. We had a red, we had like the bat phone in the closet where mm-hmm. the drug dealers would call my dad. Wow. And we had like all these stories that we'd have to tell. And, and my, where was this again? where you grew In up california that's what i thought yeah i'm mean, california's was, was peak coke yes coke days yeah um big war on drugs was that late 80s early 90s mm-hmm. exactly okay. and uh so that's my dad yeah. you know six foot two six foot three 250 pound yeah, olympic a athlete wow and uh machine guns my when i was eight my brother was 10 you know taking us into um a parking garage and be like hey there's a, a yellow Camaro in there. I don't have a warrant, but I need to know who owns it. Will you guys go in there and, and just pull stuff out of the book, glove box and tell me, this is me at eight. Yes. Wow. You know, like this is how I grew wow. up. And, uh, you know, and one of my first memories. epically unique. Wow. In San Diego is we're, my, we're down there for the California Narcotics Officers Association annual meeting. My dad was uh, one of the few two-time presidents of it. And we hear the scream in the parking lot. As we we're driving to our hotel, and my dad just looks at my mom so casually, effortlessly, as like, as this woman is getting beaten in the parking lot, being Ugh. assaulted, and uh, like, I, I'm, I'm maybe five or six. Like, what, what age do you start remembering things? So, like, that's probably yeah. where I was. Yeah. So my sister's three, my brother's seven, <laughs> maybe eight, and uh, he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna be right back. You guys stay right here." Pulls out his gun, puts around the chamber, walks out there, scuffs this dude up waits for cops to come. And it was just like effortless, you know, like that's just what you did. That's just what you do. Like that is just the process of, of being a man is not letting something bad happen in front of you. And um, so that's my dad, my mom, everybody thinks like she was like this kitten dude. this. When I said fierce, yeah, that woman would scare the bejesus out of everybody. But she was, you know, she taught piano. She's a marriage counselor. She was on the, the. Wow. she was one of the elders of our church. She was on and. But everything she did, she did it with this tenacity. And um like if you're there's no going halfway. There's no like nine yards to the first down, you know, like there, there there's an expectation from her that you're always gonna have buy in mm. and that you're gonna accomplish this thing that you set out to do. And uh and she is she's she's incredible. I love that. I can relate. Uh, you, your mom is so full of zest.
1: A zest for life, like full of love. My mom was a two-time state champion, I think, in tennis and a two-time national champion in barrel racing. Whoa. So uh, my dad was a photographer, more of the creative type. But when it came to wrestling, I dislocated my thumb my senior year of wrestling. I went in the high school national championship and uh, – dislocated my thumb 13 different times in the season and my dad would be like do we need to take you to the er and she's like no jimmy she's like tape it up you got the finals match get out there (laughs) and so uh she actually saw amy saw me roll my ankle real bad playing tennis uh with my mom and Gigi, amy's daughter who's 12 years old And I was charging the net, and I scored three or four points on my mom, who normally beats the men. And uh, so she's like, keep coming to the net. Keep charging. And she's trying to hit me in the face with it, hit me in the body with it. (laughs) And then she does a perfect lob over my head after I kept scoring on her uh, a few times, three or four times. And then uh, I jumped up to try to get it, rolled my ankle. And my mom's, like, kind of pumped but then also worried about me. Uh, So anyways, it's, it's neat to see, like, where you came from. And to have actually met your parents was an honor for me. Yeah, they're pretty cool. And so, yeah, absolutely. I, I wanted to ask you, what do you... So maybe it's your mom would drive you to set out whatever you would accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, this podcast is called Overcome. Overcome with Justin Wren. But basically, we've overcome 100% of our darkest days. Like, rise up, overcome. And what does it mean to you to overcome failure? Maybe we need to define what failure is or what it... What is the process of overcoming whatever yeah. it is you're facing? Your, life's greatest challenges.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think uh, failure is one of the best things that can happen to you. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people are, are scared of failure. You know, they don't. It's a moment of a, a bleep, a blurp, a speed bump in their success. Mm. I, I have a totally different philosophy on what a failure, what failure means. You know, you, you know, from days of being an athlete. Yeah. The times where there was growth is when there was failure. Mm. You know, when you're on the mat and you can't do another de- double leg because in, in the drill because you just did 200 of them and your coach is like, no, you're going to do one more. Like you are at failure. Yeah. Well, that is that is the moment that there is growth. Mm. If you did 199, there was no growth because you did 199 yesterday, mm. you know, and there's no opportunity for you to increase. Like the only way our muscles get bigger is for them to fail. And the muscle adaptation is like, I can't do the thing that my brain just told me to do, so I have to adapt. And that process of adaptation only occurs via failure. I think your soul and your brain operates in the same way. When I think people look at me and they think that I'm a psychopath because I keep doing all of these things and I keep going out, it's because I'm seeking failure. Like it's the same reason that I surround myself with the Gordon Ryans and the mm. Sean J. Ribeiros and the yeah. U's and the, the people that I want on the mat is that I can... Is that i can fail and it's the same in business and it's the same with a relationship hmm. You're like i i want growth and i feel that the only time that growth occurs is when there's failure and then when there's failure you have to overcome that yeah and there's that opp- opportunity for you to become a better a stronger uh more powerful more influential all the things that really matter person happen at failure
1: yeah wow that's a powerful and profound way to think about failure i love that i'm gonna adapt that into to how i look at it too i mean that's that's really really good because there's sometimes you just don't think you can go anymore but when you do you discover a new opportunity of growth and you always come back feeling better and 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 happy glad
0: that you actually pushed through so true got there there's there's never a time where afterwards you're like man i i wish i hadn't pushed so hard yeah you know that never happens you're like afterwards the endorphins hit serotonins are pumping and you're like god i feel good mm. i want to go fight a velociraptor right now like <laughs> this is so cool yeah and the only way that you got that is to have reached that threshold and to have been scared maybe mm. and to have overcome that fear
1: yeah i think the only time i've really had regret in in athletics uh, or competition is the moments where i knew i had more oh, yeah, to give yeah. god, there was another the gear and some reason that time, that night, it didn't happen often, but
0: that night I didn't turn it on or yeah. there was just, there was more in the gas tank. Yeah. I was fighting Luke Rockhold for the, for the strike force world championship. Right. And when you, when you watch that fight and you just watch me wreck Robbie Lawler, go out there and wreck Melvin Manhoff, you know, like go put the who's who like the, at the time, these are like the yeah. best fighters on the planet. Absolutely. And I'm just mopping the, the mat with them. And then I go and I fight for the world title and you're like, this is. 65% of Tim. Hmm. And afterwards I lose a split decision. And uh or majority decision, I don't remember what the state calls it. Yeah. And um I had, I walked out of the ring like it, I just went for a jog. I just lost the world title and I just like just walked because I didn't leave it all out there. Yeah. You know Re- reevaluating
1: that, what do you think it was that fear just on that night fear? Fear is a coward.
0: Hmm. You know, I was, uh, I I was fear. I was fearful of failure Uh, on this grand stage, you know, thousands of people and watching attendance, 10 to thousands, million watching online. And I didn't, I didn't want to look bad in front of them. You know, of course I wanted to be champion, but my fear of looking bad, I could go out there and, you know, do 65% and, you know, and, and win the 80, 70%, I would have won the title, but like, I just didn't do enough. I didn't risk enough. I didn't risk failure. I just tried to do enough. And, uh, and in doing so have what's still one of the most regretful things is, is not being the world champion that night because I literally was too much of a coward. Yeah. Well, not yeah, but I, it's, I, I get to talk to Scott Coker right
1: after this, actually. I love uh, that guy. Yeah. I love him too.
0: I uh, loved fighting for him.
1: Yeah. He's, he's the best.
0: He's a real martial artist. Yes. A real martial artist. But the that first time I felt, him. you know, I fought in Indian casinos and Tijuana and St. Augustine Island and like cardboard covered floors with rope wrapped around a bar, you know, like bare knuckle. And uh, I had 30, 40, 50 fights like that. And then I fought for Scott and I felt, I checked into a hotel, he had a car, somebody had a little placard with my name on it. There was a car waiting for me. I was like, you're gonna drive me from the airport and I have a hotel room. You know, like I'm not gonna sleep in my car to go fist fight somebody on a bar room floor. It was the first time I felt like an athlete. yeah I was working for Scott the strike force days yeah those were epic so great
1: Wow uh yeah, I love that I mean he I really think he believes and lives it out his principle of putting fighters first and letting them know that they're appreciated loved. that I mean that's what I loved about fighting in Bellator is that like even the camera guys or commentators or anybody that works among them almost similar we could parallel this to you. And the school you just opened and, and sheepdog response, they employ all martial artists because they know that everyone's going to appreciate it, know what's going on and know what the fighters are going through so that they can relate and help yeah. and serve the best. And you do that at this grand opening. I loved how you highlighted that. I'll let you speak to it, but you guys employ all veterans
0: yeah, um, or, or first responders and, and uh police force. And yeah. the, uh, it's back to that buy-in and failure to overcome, to have, to be in a position to really serve. Um, Who you are as a person has to be a vulnerable, real human. Mm. You know, you, you, and you know this, there's lots of instructors that will stand up there. They'll tuck their thumbs into their black belt Mm -hmm. and they'll walk around like they're the cat's meow. You know, like, that's not what I want. I want somebody that's sweating, that's suffering, that is selflessly putting themselves out there in the, the trenches with you. That's right. Yeah. With the intent of making those around them better. Mm. And that's a rare thing and to find those people and and those are the people that I seek out. Uh once I have them, man, I just do everything I can to keep them because they're 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 the diamonds in the rough. Yeah, could you could you cast the vision of
1: what was the genesis of Sheepdog Response, maybe the name and then
0: also what you
1: why you guys exist and what you do?
0: Yeah, so Sheepdog Response our mission statement is to train and equip people to be able to preserve and protect human life Mm. Um, i was overseas chasing terrorists when really peak active shooting shooters started happening in the united states yeah and i'm trying to hunt a guy that's throwing acid on little girls because they're walking to school because girls shouldn't be educated under the muslim law of the area that i was in by the taliban so they're like we'll just as these girls try to walk to school, throw acid on them. So mm-hmm. I'm like we're, we're we're hunting these dudes because they deserve to be in the dirt.
1: And um, do you remember the the there was a documentary that won the Academy Award? It was a short doc, but it was about that. I think it was called Saving Face. Uh, a guy named Daniel Youngi. Uh, I know the director of it, but he was there specifically to get the footage of oh, how these know. men would throw acid in yeah. the women's faces. They just hop and on and mopeds, they'd
0: ride down the road as the girls would be walking to school at school time, and they'd have little plastic jugs. They just throw it on the girls. They went by. Man. That was the name of it. Yeah. Saving face. 2012. Wow. Look at you. Yeah. And, uh, glad he did not cover what we did because those guys went in the dirt. mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's maybe for some people that don't even understand you've seen humanity. I mean, you've seen it here. You have children and, and you are a big time lover, but to go to war, what is the driving force? I I mean, probably not necessarily hatred for the person in front of you, but love for the people behind you. How do you articulate that? Like what kind of mindset? Because honestly, I mean, I think I would like to think I could be a good warrior, right? Because I've fought and everything else, but it's a whole other game going to a cage and going to freaking war. And that kind of drive or depth in your soul to know I'm a warrior and I have to protect because some people are so blind to the the actual evil out there in the world. Um, I, I don't know if I ever told you this, but one of the most evil things I've ever heard was I was sitting there with the pygmy people and I met this man that watched his nephew be killed, cooked, and literally eaten, cannibalized. And his nephew's wife was kicked to her knees, machine gun to her head, machete to her throat, and she was force-fed parts of her own husband. Yeah. Like the most evil thing I could ever think of, at least for me. That's pretty evil. Yes. Yeah. And um, for a lot of us here in the United States, like we hear about stuff like that overseas. Over there. Over there. And it's almost like it's a disconnect, or it's detached, or it's not all the way real. Yeah. But stuff like that happens,
0: and you are someone that goes into those situations. Yeah. So- less than 1% of the United States has served in the military. And of that 1%, about 15% of that 1% ever sees real combat. Uh, so we're talking about this very, very tiny little perspective, you know, and, and who we are as humans is shaped by our experiences in life. Obviously I've had extraordinary cir- circumstances which have shaped my perspective. And, you know, to at- answer your question, like wh- what is the thing, you know, like, does she smell good? Yes she yeah she does good. yeah she does. yeah she feel good like her skin. <laughs> yes and her lips uh-huh. soft, the softest. right. And your 12 year old how how like wonderful is the sound of that laughter? Mm. Yeah, G-G. it's one of the best sounds on the planet right yeah. so those are all things that we love things that I love that my two year old the softest skin the most her little fat butt and she just got <laughs> potty trained and she's had dry <laughs> panties for three weeks like so rad you know my six year old playing lacrosse and taking off his lacrosse helmet he has sweated matted matted hair sweaty matted hair for after running up the scoreboard like what a stud man I'm so proud of that guy <laughs> and those things like are fueling and and, and my, my reason for existence mm. and the contrast of that is absolute desperation, death, despair, which is war. The worst things that humans can do to each other happens in war. And when you look at all the warrior societies throughout history, samurai, the Spartans, the Romans, they were beautiful poets, right? Sculptors, artists, bonsai trees. But man, they could fight fiercely. Could they fight fiercely because they were just Cro-Magnum men that only believed in violence? No, it's because really? they loved something passionately. Yeah. And it's no different, I don't hate the people that I'm fighting. I hate the acts that they do because they're in stark contrast to the things that I love. I love freedom. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my, my two-year-old's stinky puppy breath in the morning when I first pull her out of the crib. Like, I love that smell. You know, and, and the thought of something ending that, or preventing her from learning, or saying that she can't go to school, and they're going to try to throw acid. I'm going to kill you and everyone with you to try to stop her from doing that. And that is where the genesis of it is, and that's that's where the that's where the passion, that's where the motivation is, is knowing that this is what it's supposed to be like, and there's evil that tries to stop that. And I'm not trying to fight this evil because I hate it. It's because I love this.
1: Right. Wow. I mean, that's a perspective that honestly, I mean, I can, I can sympathize with, but I can't empathize because I haven't been there. Yeah, you um, have. well, yeah, I mean, I got to reach out to you after one of the villages, uh, that I knew and, uh, know and love. Um, they had 46 people that died by machetes. Yeah. Um, the ADF, I forget there what that name stands for, but in it, I think it's the allied democratic forces and, uh, it's basically an extremist group that is going around in witchcraft beliefs, all sorts of stuff, drinking from skulls, macheting people. And honestly, I was in a moment of, I mean, I lived in a village next to them and uh, just basically in like, I guess, despair, distraught that like this is still happening, actually happening. Yeah, is Jesus a warrior?
0: Uh, Yeah. Absolutely. Like, did he ever pick up a sword and lop off somebody's head? No. No. Did he have to, to be a warrior? No. One one of the greatest men to ever win um the medal of honor never killed anyone he was a, he was a conscientious conscientious objector which meant that he via because of his religion did not want to shoot a gun but he wanted to serve his country and he by choice enlisted in world war ii and the acts of her- of heroism that he did climbing up these cliffs and then lowering down the bodies that he went out as the Japanese are taking bayonets and plunging these dudes on the ground. And he's just rescuing one after another, pulling mud on top of them, you know, trying to kill a rat that's eating his friend's eye. Never shot a single person. Like, could we define that man as a warrior? Yes. Absolutely. Was he there to kill the enemy? No, he was there yeah. out of love for the people, the men and women to his left and right and the soldiers that he was serving with. So... I, I, you are a warrior and the things that you go out and do all the time, I mean, there's no other definition for what you do and for what your nonprofit does besides doing warrior shit okay. and it's badass. Thank you, brother. Yeah. I'll Thank go do you. violence. You just stay you. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. I, I, don't, I don't know
1: if I got to tell you, we're building a health center. Uh, a what? Uh, we're building a health center. First one. So we've Sick. done 80 wells. We've got over 3000 acres of land. Uh, we've seen 1,651 people literally transition out of slavery and into freedom now. Um, and then Wait, when slavery we that, still
0: exists. Yes. Yeah, more, more, wow. more on earth than ever in human history
1: over, I think low estimates are like 40 million people. I mean, the lowest estimate I've seen is 28 million. But if you Google that fact, I, I tell, it's I, t- I tell that
0: people are like, we have more slaves right now than ever in history. And yep. people are like, you are so white. You're such a racist. And I was like. No, that's actually a fact. Yeah, that's, that's, that's real. Yeah, I didn't make this I've up. I've seen it. And I'm not trying to diminish any other times of slavery. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. You know, Because those matter too, yeah. and I'll absolutely fight for them. And I believe that what happened was wrong, and, and 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 I'll try to make it right in every imaginable way and ensuring that you can succeed via hard work and individual responsibility. But there's more slaves now than ever in history.
1: Yeah. So, um, and so we can't be blind to that. Yeah. And we, we can help. We can do something.
0: And it's your bigotry and racism that's not seeing it, not yours. I'm, I'm saying yeah, yeah. you, they mm-hmm. that throw stones at me. Well, so the
1: <laughs> cowards. The thing that I love with this health center we get to do, we have the two of the best partners in the world. The founder of uh, Engineers Without Borders. They have seventeen thousand engineers. Wow. And whenever he started that, he basically was in there because the engineering departments at all the universities were just building like suburban wow. homes or multimillion-dollar corporate places. And he's like the the difference between the western world or developed nations and developing nations is getting wider and wider and wider because nobody is helping them get out of their huts the, uh, you know like yeah. we got to build stuff that that will bring them up with us so his name's bernard he's incredible and then project cure they're the number one nonprofit for medical supplies that are um, in like 138 countries they do needs assessments before they go make sure that it's all going to be locally ran and operated And so they've done a $1.5 million donation to us for the hospital equipment. Amy was there and we're going to be doing a maternity ward. So the the health center isn't going to be a hospital because we don't do operations like actual OR surgery, but we're going to have maternity wards for safe labors, try to plummet the second worst child mortality rate in the world during labor in Uganda. And so then uh, we're going to have a pediatrics unit, a ER. They're going to serve people for malaria, waterborne disease. Uh, we're going to have a dental suite, and we're building a school there too. That's wow. going to like celebrate their culture, not take it away, but celebrate yeah. it. And so that's our next project. So I'm just, I'm fired up,
0: dude. I, you can sense, I can feel it from yeah, over here. Yeah, yeah. That's I'm so awesome. fired up. Uh, the, project, can I go here, one time with you? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I love for you to go. Yeah. All right, shake
1: it. Okay. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We're uh, we're going in April. That might be too soon, but we'll go back whenever uh, we're going to see the land that we're purchasing for the health center. It's not going to be on the Batwa pygmy people's land. It's going to be in the community's land. Um, so it's a new land purchase for us, but it's going to serve three other greater communities and hopefully bring a lot of reconciliation, a redemption story of reconciliation among everybody. Um, because 10 years ago I, I buried a young boy because he was denied hospital treatment, not once, but twice just because of his tribe. And so building this in honor of Andy Bo who I helped like dig his grave and things. But man, the, I've never heard weeping like that. Um, cause he's one and a half years old and they turn away and say, we won't waste our medicine on a pygmy animal, yeah. like literally call him subhuman. So now this hospital, they'll never be denied hospital treatment again. Um, and it's all gonna be locally ran and operated and all that stuff. But, uh, man, it, it's just, I'm pumped so pumped so so yes please come all right i'll be please come i would love i love love africa yeah man it's the people there like their smiles their hearts nine years of my life you know wow wow in africa man well i'm so pumped man that that you're here i'm so grateful what do you think uh i mean i'm thinking about you had a a video on youtube and was called the meaning of the day Mm -hmm. and you did it four or five six years ago i think but uh it's on your tim kennedy youtube which everyone can subscribe to yeah. and i watched that and i just thought it was a really powerful perspective of at the end of the day knowing that you accomplished everything you could so that you have confidence the next morning yeah when you wake up yeah and i suggest everyone go watch that video cuz the alarm clock goes off and you're speaking over it and just yeah. how do you get the most meaning out of your day um
0: well first we'll we'll go back to the- Why I'm here, yeah, and knowing your purpose as a man is an important thing, you know. It's not to be a hamster for the commerce and capitalism Mm. of others, you know. There there has to be a reason why you're here, and um, and everyone's reason is different. I know what mine is, and uh, and at the end of that video, when I when I finally lay down and go to sleep, you know, when you when you look at my hands, like calloused, gross Mm. chunks, you know, like. (laughs) look at these things right now you know um when i lay down just had an amazing time with my wife after a 12 hour long work day had a couple of workouts you know eight nine hours being an entrepreneur and my head hits a pillow it's the greatest sweetest sleep i've ever had Mm -hmm. and when that alarm clock goes off the next morning and i wake up with vigor and and um zeal to go out and accomplish more than i did the prior day it's I bet people ask you all the time. You're like, "Hey, how do you, you know, what's the motivation?" You know, and they ask Jocko or they ask Goggins, like, and they're looking for a trick. You know, they're looking for a uh, a secret, and there's not one. You know, there's regiment and there's discipline and there's passion, and uh, those th- those three things in combination, where you're passionately in love with something and then you have the discipline and regiment to accomplish that thing, man, that's what happens in that video. Yeah. You see passion, you see love, and then you see discipline and regimen.
1: Yeah. Man, it's powerful. It got me fired up. I was, uh, so everyone, please go watch that. Uh. Subscribe to Tim's uh, YouTube. But man, I think that's honestly my my biggest driving factor is always um, to passionately pursue my purpose and then to try to, I mean honestly the place that I lack that I get so much inspiration for you or that I can always improve is the discipline the regimen because I feel like the purpose and passion so much there for me and then now it's just really honing in fine tuning that so that I can I can accomplish everything that I want to accomplish because yeah. we we want to use I mean not to just talk about fight for the forgotten but we we want to do that one health center and the community hub all of it we want to replicate that in the eight or nine African nations that the Pygmy people are represented. Yeah. So having that discipline and regimen there so that we can see that through. Yeah. Can we look at
0: like Winston Churchill, you know, a man, did he have passion hmm. as, we, as Europe did, as Britain did the, the largest evacuation of their military forces at the beginning of World War II? And uh, what could have been the end of all of them. And then he goes out and he gives this speech. Like we're going to fight them on the beaches. We're going to fight them in the cities. We're going to you know, like just fierce and powerful belief. And not not only that speech, not only his approach, um, the passion was clearly there just like you. But what we don't see is all of the mechanisms, all of the the support, supporting elements that existed in his life for him to be this discipline regimented leader that led us through the success of world war II. you know, he had this powerful woman that was his wife that was there with him every single day. You know, he had a bunch of medical issues that was there to make him his tea to get him out of his bed, to make him the proper meal. It's like to help with his crappy feet, you know, so that he could keep working. And that if he didn't have that regiment, if he didn't have that discipline we would have lost World War II, and we'd all be speaking German, and fashion would have ruled, and Hitler would have reigned for 50 years. Um, and it was really the discipline that he in- enacted in his life. The p- the passion was there, mm. but it was the discipline that really brought the success. Yeah. The discipline's important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You talking about you being over serving and the active school shootings happening back home. Mm-hmm. At the grand opening, you really shared that feeling of, I don't know if you said hopeless, like maybe helplessness. Helpless. Yeah, yeah. I don't like that feeling. Yeah. What does that do? Where where, where was your head at, your heart at? Um, and then I think that fed into Sheepdog Response.
0: Yeah, for sure. So the same reason why I hopped on a plane and flew to Afghanistan to get people out, and the same as as tens of thousands of veterans of the Afghan war, were sitting there feeling helpless. Uh, They lost friends, they lost limbs, they got purple hearts, and they're watching Afghanistan crumble and there's this feeling of helplessness. And I'm like, I'm not helpless. I have powerful friends. I can figure out how to make this better. When I'm overseas at that time, watching a new school shooting happen, watching Hmm. a guy at the launch of Batman throw on a gas mask. I was in
1: Aurora when that happened. Man.
0: Stuff on nightmares, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm like, man, if if I could have been in that movie theater, that tough guy, like an absolute coward, you know, (laughs) Like, like all bullies and tough guys and active shooters are just cowards. Walks in there. He throws his little pathetic gas, pulls out his rifle. Like, what would have I been doing? I've been hiding, trying to hide my erection because I'd be like, "Oh, this is gonna be so rad! <laughs> I get to kill this guy." You're like, "This is gonna be so..." Like, I get to do violence. I get, a, I get a conus kill, um, and then I just put that dude in the dirt, and the whole thing would have been over, and everybody in the movie theater would have been saved. But I wasn't there, and neither were any of my colleagues because all of us were overseas, like fighting what we, what we, what we thought was the enemy. All the while, at home, it just like was getting worse and worse. And the next school shooting, the kid was trying to break the record of the last school shooter. And, uh, like, why can't there just be one teacher there that was armed, that was trained, that knew what to do, and that would have Would have been saved? And, um, well, that realization where, like, maybe if I can't be there, can I like, train somebody that would have been there? And as a force multiplier, as, as a person that literally goes out all over the world and trains people how to fight for themselves, like, I can do this back home. Mm. And I know all the people that are the best at it on the planet, and I can bring them all under one roof. And we all have one approach to empowering people to taking back that individual responsibility of their own safety and their own family safety and their own community safety and their own church's safety and their own school safety and then once that onus that power that freedom is back with the individual because nobody's going to protect you nobody's going to protect your family nobody's going to protect your kids like it's going to be you or the things that you did to make that happen so that was what sheepdog response was we are going the sheepdog literally protects the flock
1: yeah, tell me that because uh, I, that's a hazy memory for me. I, I went to one of your sheepdog events, but uh, I was trying to tell Amy earlier what what does that come from and what does it mean
0: and the story behind it. Yeah, I mean it's it's a metaphor. You know, metaphor. it's um, you have three different groups that these are generalizations. I know they're they're not great in twenty twenty two, but I, I think they're they're accurate, especially in current days. You, you you have the sheep, and there's nothing wrong with being a sheep. Like a sheep goes and eats grass and it makes more sheep and it lives a happy life. Like it just wants to exist. And there's lots of people that just want to exist and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and I don't mean, cause I think like sheep, all that guy on Twitter or this guy on Instagram, like they're just sheep believing, you know, media. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about people that just want to live their lives. Right. Right. And then you have the, Peacefully. wolf, yeah, just, yeah. they just want to exist. No, they don't got no problems. Nobody. They just want to be, just want to eat grass and, and make more sheep. And then you got the wolf that is the predator. They don't know why, but they just are. They want to kill. Like they want to taste the blood. They want to find the weakest of the flock and they want to kill it. And there's, There are lots of people like that. And sometimes it's systematic. Sometimes it's a product of, of where they grew up. Sometimes there's lots of different reasons why ultimately this wolf comes to existence. Mm. Um, are they more prevalent in poor communities? Yeah. Are they more um, frequent in socialist and and communist areas, areas, absolutely. Uh, And they just want to hurt the weakest of the flock, the easy meal. Then you have the sheepdog. And the sheepdog is a special breed because it's big, it's strong. um, It has canines, right? Just like the wolf, has all the predatory instincts, just like the wolf. It can get down, it can move, just like a predator. The one thing that is different from it to the wolf is that it likes the sheep he just wants the sheep to live and he's not cool with something going and killing the weakest of that flock so he'll not just go fight for it but he will die trying to protect him hmm. you know like you might kill me but you're gonna have to step over my bloody co- corpse with the one or two limbs that you have left because i'm gonna tear them off you know like you can go and try and eat that sheep But you're going to do so without your jaw because I'm going to take it off when I'm trying to tear your throat out. You know, that is the thing that is inside of Sheepdog. And there are so many people, whether it's on a martial art mat or the first time that you touch your child, like delivers covered in all that weird white phlegm and blood, maybe a little bit of poop and urine. You know, you never know. It's delivery table. But you touch your baby for the first time. There's nothing on the planet that will stop me from doing anything to protect this child. Right. And, and, they're, and that thing gets ignited in us. Moms have it. They lift up cars to rescue their child that's pinned underneath it. Yeah. You know, an 80 year old woman, as her husband is training, changing the oil in their car, the car starts rolling back and pins them underneath it. And this 80 year old woman goes up and deadlifts this car. It's in us. Yeah. You know, and, and most people, it's dormant and we just leave it. But we're in a time where that has to be trained and that has to be ignited and that passion to protect and preserve human life. Needs to be disciplined, and that's that's what we do. Do you have a
1: favorite story through sheepdog response of somebody that, you know, maybe maybe they look like it was dormant, and uh, then and y'all I were got able to help it. Wild it out.
0: stories. Okay, let's hear one. I'll, I'll tell you two. Okay, I'll tell you one about Courtney. Okay, Courtney uh, came to one of our courses, went to our protector one, so she learned how to fight, situation awareness, and uh, shooting, and then she came back for our medical course. And so she she did both the medical course and the protector one course. She is working at a at a not a prison at a jail in Louisiana. And a guy there assaults somebody else and then starts to kill himself. So he takes a razor blade. He starts cutting his arm open. He slices his wrists. Courtney's the first one to get there. This guy is in there with a razor blade and he's bleeding out. And he's like, "Don't come in here! I'm going to cut you up." Corny goes in there, scuffs the dude up, takes the razor blade out of his hands as they're like slipping, sliding, covered in this dude's yeah.
1: blood. Oh, uh, you're never slipperier, slipperier yeah, than whatever there's blood. Yeah, yes. I don't know what that is. Yeah.
0: They should use it to yeah. like lube engines because uh-huh. that stuff is so slippery. It's
1: crazy in a fight. Like you're so sweaty, and you you can still grab people, yeah. throw them all around. But whenever blood gets involved, like people are, it's yeah. more slick
0: than like Vaseline. almost. for sure. Yeah. And so she goes in, she fights this dude, gets this razor blade out of his hands and then uses all the medical training that she got to save this dude's life. Wow. That is a prisoner. Like that that she is there occupationally to protect and she risked her own life to save an inmate at a jail. Hmm. It's pretty rad.
1: That is rad. Did she use the tourniquet? Yes, I, she you did. guys
0: were showing that, and you, you
1: jumped on the ground, and there was like five or six kids at the grand opening yeah, putting man, tourniquets on know if, all like, your arms. Veins
0: have recovered because those <laughs> kids like crank that thing down. Yeah, yeah, a great tool that will. You know, in Las Vegas at the Las Vegas shooting, had there been fifty tourniquets there, there no doubt would have been fifty less deaths, wow. just from tourniquets. Like if you just threw fifty tourniquets in the air at in Las Vegas. Wow. And
1: people knowing how to use them, but it's pretty simple. Yeah, I mean it's really hard to mess it up. Yeah. Fightfortheforgotten.org. You can go check out Fight for the Forgotten, the foundation that I started. It is my passion project. It is something that I love so much because of the people we get to help. We get to help the pygmy tribe who adopted me in help themselves. We say opportunity is greater than charity. Charity can be great, but opportunity is just always better. That's why we've drilled something like 80 water wells already, providing over 30,000 people clean water. We've started sustainable farms, bought back over 3,000 acres of land for the people who originally owned it, put it in their name. We built 32 homes, and now we're about to start a health center, a school, and a marketplace. They're going to have a maternity ward, a pediatrics unit, and a dental suite. You can join the Fight for the Forgotten Fight Club at fightfortheforgotten.org. We would love, love, love to invite you on this journey to join this fight arm in arm with us. Our fight club, it's a monthly giving club. You can give $5 or more a month, and that empowers us to empower people. Thank you for being on this journey with us. I invite you to come along for the ride. It's been absolutely epic putting love and compassion in action and fighting for people. Fightfortheforgotten.org. Join our fight club.
0: Another story. Um, man, there's two really good ones. Come on, bring them. Okay, okay, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll make a really short you, one. No, no, you're good. Bring okay. them. Um, in Oklahoma, uh, bad guy home invasion kicks in the front door, and police are called by a neighbor. So home invasion gone goes wrong. Right, guy wants to kick in the door, get some stuff, and leave. Kicks in the door, goes in there. He ends up having to take a child hostage. He's on the balcony, and the police officer that responds is laying down. On the ground, two vehicles back, looking at this bad guy with a gun to a child's head on this balcony. And he's like, you let me out of here, this kid's going to die, or you guys get me... Boom! As the round comes from underneath the door, goes in his cheek and out the top of his head. As this guy that went to our protector course takes out the home invader that is now has a child hostage. Dude, it's over. One of the greatest things, there's a body cam. And you hear this guy... He's breathing as he's laying down. You hear the of the body movement. Then you hear the gravel from the from the road. His body cam. And Then you hear his breathing go. Pow, boom! Hit the kid screaming. And there's one second where it's just he stops breathing. The shooter, you can hear his breathing, and you hear the round crack and it goes off. You hear the impact. It's like, and there's a second before this kid starts start screaming. And then the kid starts screaming and it's the best sound you've ever heard. Because hmm. he's alive. He's alive. He's fine. You know, just like hearing your child breathe for the first time. Where they go, And then they do this powerful scream and everybody in the, hot, you know, in the delivery room is like, ah, yes, that's a good, powerful scream. I'm proud. Like this little daughter of mine is going to be fierce. Another story i am uh, I'm, I'm using a lot of first responders because they're the ones that we get. But yeah, we have moms. Oh, but this is Kyle saving,
1: saving lives. Let's do Kyle Kingsbury. Okay, do you yeah. hear this story? No, I haven't.
0: So this is two weeks ago. Well, two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. We well, just saw him a week ago here with you. In, here in Austin. Okay. He is with. Amy knows Kyle too really yeah. well. Oh, uh, you're not gonna like the story. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. All right. All right. Kyle is at the park. Mm-hmm. He is bear. Yeah. Bear has hair like you. Yeah. For what sure. A, what a beautiful little yeah. dude, right? Gorgeous. Yes. Was he six?
1: I think so. Seven, six or he seven. He might be seven, but six or seven. Yeah, and just he, a he's stunningly a
0: stunningly beautiful young man. Yes. And then Kyle has a littler one, a toddler, mm-hmm. that he has on the swing and he's pushing. Mm-hmm. And they're just at the park playing. And uh, Bear is on the playscape being the little monkey that he is. I love that kid. Yeah. And uh, Kyle's being a good dad. He's sitting there pushing. He's not over there on the phone. He's sitting there actively engaged with intentionality to be with his children. So beautiful. And that is important because if it was any other way, a car pulls up. Oof. Yep, a couple people in it. All everyone in it, to include like this ten year old boy, are wearing masks. And where Kyle lives, it's not common. The car was a cheap car, and also not common where Kyle lives. And they're like, "Huh, this is all off." And Kyle, he's been to our Protector One course. Yep. He got the situation awareness class. Yep. So he looks over. He's like, "I went through one of the trainings with him yep. and you." And it was like, "Something's off, right? This is an outlier." Yes. I know what normal looks like, and this is not normal. I don't know what's up. Little 10-year-old boy hops out, and he runs directly to the playscape. And he goes straight to Bear. And normally there's, like, usually on a playscape, like, a little filling out process. Like, he goes and swings. You go to the monkey bars. And are like, hey, man, what's going on? Ain't nothing. You go down the slides a couple of times. But this kid, like, ran right up to Bear and started talking to him. So they go down the slide a couple of times. They're playing. There's a woman and a man in the car. Man gets out, walks over to the dumpster. And it's about 200, 300 meters away. The woman is on her phone, and another car comes and parks over by where this dumpster is, 300 meters away from the parking, from the playscape on this other parking lot. And this woman keeps like looking over at this other car, looking at her 10 year old, looking at the other car. And Kyle's just pushing his toddler on the swing. And then he hears clear as day this 10 year old be like, "No, no, let's play hide and seek." So the other car that pulls up, Kyle sees. The guy come out, pop open the back door, and then sit in the front seat. So now we have a car with a woman that's like looking over here. We have a ten year old that's over here playing with Bear, and and he's like, No, I'll go hide, you count first. Woman gets in the car and is still on the phone, clearly making eye contact with this other vehicle. Other dude gets in the vehicle, pop the back door open. The kid goes and runs behind the dumpster as Bear starts counting. Hmm. Six, seven, eight. 10 ready or not here I come and bear had had cheated looks over and goes directly running to where this other car is parked as the back door has been popped open no doubt bears about to disappear bears about to Kyle Kingsbury's son is about to be kidnapped for those that don't know Kyle Kyle's UFC fighter I mean (sighs) just a mammoth
1: of a human looks like it like a Greek God carved out of stone yeah he's
0: gorgeous and have you ever heard him yell uh, no, no, neither no. neither have I, never, and I don't want to. No, but Kyle said, and he 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 said he's never really yelled at his son, and he screamed at Bear to stop, and Bear heard it, you know, he's a hundred meters away, and he screams, and Bear stops. Other car peels off, takes out, kid hops in the car, peels out and takes off, hmm. and Bear comes back. I have goosebumps just thinking yeah. about this, and. That kid was steps away from what would be a life of addiction and rape until he, was, until he finally dies, which is usually Child about three addiction. or four years. Wow. Yep. And the only reason that Bear was okay. So human trafficking. Human right trafficking there. and kidnapping. Wow. That Strategic. was the start
1: of it. Wow. In Austin. Oh my goodness.
0: And Kyle saved his son just because his brain was switched on and he was a parent that was intentionally being present with his kid. It's amazing. Cow kingsbury yeah fucking legend stud absolute stud
1: another fierce human yeah loves fiercely yeah loves deeply he gives one of the best hugs also
0: it's kind of scary i don't get scared from hugs yeah how hugs me i'm like (laughs) am i gonna survive this
1: yeah i mean that's a that's a deep scary situation and i think you equipping people just so that they know have the confidence that they can just have more situational awareness and be able to take action. Yeah. I was wondering what do you what do you think defines a hero? We have a program called Heroes in Waiting for yeah. bullying prevention and basically we try to boil it down to simplifying it for young kids to know it's not superhuman power, superhuman strength that's seeing a need and taking action. Yeah. But what Love do that. you call a hero. What is heroic and and how can maybe
0: anyone? Yeah. Everyone be. I mean, a hero. In this in this era in this society where allowing things to happen, you know, um have you seen Ugly G- or Mean Girls? Uh yeah. I haven't. Amy has. Of course. Do you Go remember that the... that book that they made which the was burn like book. the Burn book. Mm-hmm. So in in this movie Mean Girls um, I, I want to, maybe we can watch it again, you and me together. Okay. <laughs> watch Mean Girls. Well, these Mean Girls, they in the burn book, they just took all of the ugly things about a person and they mm. put it into one book wow. that they could use against that person. And all of the friends had one and all of them were complicit in it. Mm. You know, um, there's this really beautiful photo of everyone doing the, the the Nazi Hitler salute. And there's one dude that's standing there like this. You know, everyone present there was being complicit to the genocide of the Jews because they were allowing it to happen. And to be a hero to me is not being complicit. Sometimes it's just not participating. Sometimes it's just saying something. Like, do you need to put on a cape and run into fire to rescue a child? No, but making sure that the gas was turned off when your wife was done cooking and she has... A million things going on like that's heroic you know looking at the car that is driving too fast down the road in a school zone and going and splitting the lanes and intentionally slowing down and that person flipping you off and you just wave at them and it's like hey have a great day man Um, that is heroic driving down the road seeing somebody playing on their phone and which is more dangerous than a drunk driver and you pulling in front of them Maybe doing a little break check and they look up, you know, they freak out for a second. They put their phone down and then you slow over, pull it out and they look over, they flip you off and you just like make the phone simple to them. And they're like, oh man, I didn't even re-. like, they didn't even realize how dangerous they were 10 seconds ago. Like that's heroic. Um, so it's really, it's any act that you're doing selflessly to try to protect others. Hmm. And those acts normally, I think people put this it's supposed to be this this heroic thing it's not it's any act right it's, it's handing a homeless person a jacket that's heroic yeah you know it's going and digging a well to give people purified water that have never had clean water in their entire lives that is heroic that's heroic thank you brother yeah man
1: i I appreciate you a lot i I was thinking maybe uh amy has a passion she's from colleen mm-hmm. and you talking about the act of shooter things i'm wondering because doing your course you have a women's program too do. right a how have you not day? been to that
2: i don't know okay
0: we're we, getting you should one. i go yeah you should absolutely go
2: i probably should
0: yeah mm-hmm. because uh That's amazing we've actually what would i learn you would learn um so the women's courses are slightly different normally our course are broken into three big blocks of instruction one is situational awareness two is the basic fundamentals of fighting and three is shooting. Uh, We lean heavily on the situational awareness for women more. So like if, if Justin walks out of a Walmart and no one's going to look at him and be like, I'm going to go go give that one a whirl right they're going to look at that one maybe from behind maybe from behind that's a big broad broad I'm not going to (laughs) make eye contact with this one because he might take my face off like that's he's never walked out and thought he might get raped as he walks out of of an HEB right but how many times have you like how many times every
1: time time? (laughs)
0: everyone says that every time so how do I equip you to have to not have to live in fear. Can right. I give you tools and power to be able to have confidence that you can live your life and it's really just disciplined thought. Mm-hmm. It's really just a way I to a you, lot you of think. true
2: crime too, so you know, that yeah. helps. It does help. It, it really does and my daughter does too now and so she's actually had instances where she had something happen, she stayed very aware walking home one day. Right, and I got like, a
0: spot for her. You just yeah. say the word. You okay. look at any one okay. of those dates and yeah, I'll okay. do
2: she's in there. I'll do okay. Thank so you. with with okay. Sydney
1: is it okay to share at all that situation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a man started following her home. Mm. And a uh, grown ass man following her, she took a turn to not go home, and he took that same turn, and she took another mm. turn. He followed she's her to that street. Wow. She's 16 years she's old. Wicked that her
0: brain is so fantastic. Yeah, she
1: well listens she- listens
2: to a lot of my favorite murders. Yeah. It's so called My Favorite like, Murder, there's yeah. a thing called the Murderinos, my, and it's basically like, just yeah. don't get
1: murdered, but also like inviting girls in if they see but, them um, uncomfortable at a But I've trained them too, yeah, always. Clearly. I'm yeah. like, no
2: adult need your help, here's, you know, just general things. Yeah. So, But she stayed aware.
1: She stayed aware. She didn't yeah. come actually home. She got on her phone, made a call. But after that, I was like, "All right, we need to start doing." This wasn't too long ago. Uh, we need to do some self-defense. I started thinking about you. We need to get Amy trained, me trained, um, because mm. honestly, like I've done your course, but I need to do more training. Yeah. I've never owned a gun. But um, That's the
2: thing too, like you said about about Kyle in the playground. If you're just looking at your phone, you look down for a second.
0: He's gone. Something yeah,
2: something happened. He's, he's gone someone yeah. does something or whatever it is or if she was walking home looking at her phone yeah. you know like we gotta look up <laughs> we gotta look up yeah. we gotta look up yeah.
0: Yeah, but that's a disciplined thing you know like th- yeah. that device sitting on our this table right here like yeah i want to pick it up and see how many emails i need to respond to or how many messages or screw on on tiktok
2: or yeah. whatever it is yeah
0: yeah and and that could be your death mm. that could be the Oof. loss of your child oh god you know, like there's times like i gotta work i have to pick up my phone and work you know, but it's not when I'm walking with my two-year-old or at the playscape with my six-year-old, you know, or my child is walking home from school, like zero chance. Mm-hmm. I have a cool, uh, on Life360, if my one of my daughters picks up their phone while they're driving, I get an alert. <gasps> Whoa. Whoa. Okay, I, know.
1: <laughs> I, will, and,
2: uh, I need to do that. <laughs> yeah,
0: I pay for their cell phone, so like. That oh, be the end of the cell phone. I'm tell like,
1: tell me about Life 360 because I don't think Sydney has. We that don't and, have it, and it's something would have, I have happened. I've
0: nothing to do with them like officially, but it is an amazing. It's an app, and you. So I have like my buddies on it, mm-hmm. uh, and I have my like just as a drop down, so I can like look where Shane is. Yeah. If Shane's flying his helicopter to come pick me up, I don't need to call Shane. Hey, but what's your ETA? I can just pick it up and look at where he's at. But my family is one one big thing on it. So. Um, it also, it's totally free. It catalogs how fast they drove, what their top speed was, what their average speeds was. If they were a distracted driver, i.e. they picked up their phone while Life360 is on, it will notify me. You can put, there's all these other features that you can. Um, I'm
2: going to do that to Justin.
0: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so
2: I do. So I do. My I wife, my phone.
1: Actually, I, I I need to not. You need to not. I need to for not. sure.
0: I normally don't. I'm
1: like
2: you sometimes. have precious cargo in the car yeah. right now. Me. But
0: also, um, <laughs> aggressive monogamy. I like that my wife knows where I'm at.
2: Aggressive monogamy. Yep, right now, wow. she could
0: look and see that I'm right at here. this address. <laughs> on not Lamar
2: term yeah. did you make that up you coined that no, it's yeah? my
0: wife's um it's be, hers it's yeah. hers there'll be times <laughs> where my phone number just randomly changes and uh like we could go to get tacos and we had a time and, and I walk in five minutes late and uh you're like man did you not get my text I'm like no I didn't I didn't get your text um wow uh what's going on here and I find out my phone numbers changed I'm like that was aggressive monogamy
2: She's like just, she'll just change her yeah. number? Yeah.
0: I deserved what? it a couple of times. Oh. But, so. Yeah. 15 years in now.
2: She, oh, that, that's yeah. impressive, yeah. Tim. Well,
1: you you got to share the story then with Amy and our listeners about uh you did a press conference after yeah. you were on the was it second on the kill list for yeah, ISIS? The ISIS kill list. Have you heard this story? Uh, You've
2: told me something about this. I told
1: this. you a little bit. He told it. I me don't like Brigham. this story because it just really shows how dumb I am, <laughs> or how brave you are. Let's frame it that way. It's okay, <laughs> a fine line sometimes. It. Yeah, it yeah, shows so your warrior heart.
0: FBI call and they're like, "Hey, um, we have found traffic on Twitter that they're actively recruiting somebody in Texas to find out where you live and to kill you." And um, they're looking, you know, they're recruiting at mosques for radical extremists to 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 come and kill me. Um,
2: yes, I, I do remember some. Marcus Luttrell yeah.
0: was on that list. So I was like, oh, that's great news. And the guy's like, I'm sorry. What did you say? I'm like, uh, that's fantastic. Thanks thanks for telling me. Um, Good news. Thanks, man. I hang up. So Good news. Yeah, <laughs> they show up with the boss. And the boss is like, so we had an awkward call and our agent said that you you didn't really understand what was happening. I was like, no, no, 100% understand. ISIS is currently recruiting somebody to kill me in Texas. And I normally have to travel and I'm gone for months and months at a time to be away from my family. And this idiot, this lame brain psychopath thinks that they're going to come into Texas and try to kill me. So nothing could be happier. I don't have a conus kill. Um, I don't have to travel and be gone for months at a time. Uh, And I get to make Texas slightly better all in one effort by these people showing up on my doorstep. And if you understood how my doorstep really is situated, it's you're going to die if you come to my house. (laughs) And um, so the guy's like, all right, so this is not how a normal person responds. You're not being great. And I was like, wait a second. So then I call my buddy at Fox and I was like, hey, can I go on Fox? So I go on Fox news live. And I'm like, so I live at nine, five, zero, zero Cedar Crest, Austin, Texas. And if you're going to send people to kill me, send them all, but know that they're all going to die. You can send whoever you want, but just know for a fact they're never going to come back. This is on Fox. And uh, my wife was pissed. She was so mad. So she grabs the kids and leaves, you know, and I was like, all
2: right, I'm here.
0: I get it. Camping out for a week or two solo, just
1: ready to snipe. Yeah. Wow. Um, They never came. They never came. No, yeah, they're cowards. Yeah, man, that's a bold move. Yeah, that's a that's a different kind of gear or strategic screw loose to be able to have the that those cojones. I know say. who they are.
0: Yeah, you know, um, I walk. I, I I watched them in Afghanistan go into a village and um, rape and murder every single but and every every person in it, every person. Mm. And uh, fast forward six weeks, another mountaintop in an observation position. And the, I mean, you could, uh, it felt like it was um, deja vu. You know, the feeling like yeah. I've been here before, I know exactly what's about to happen. That was the feeling. But I'm watching what is about to happen repeat where the same people are about to go into a very similar village. I'm in a very similar overwatch position and I'm going to watch in real time the most horrific things happen to humans in front of me and I'm not going to be able to do anything about it. And then an old man, and Afghan old like Africa old. Mm. It's different than old here. You know, so like when I say a man looks ancient, this he might have been sixty or he might have been two hundred and seventeen. Yeah. <laughs> well, people sure. just live outside. Yeah. And they're weathered sometimes. He has this old musket. I mean, it's like <laughs> musket. He <laughs> cracks around off on Taliban, rolling into his village, and they like a fart in the wind, disappear. They run for their lives. Because of one. Because of one. One old man. One old man and a will and a desire to protect the people around him. That's love, right? Mm. That's fearless love. Because do you know who would have died worst? was that man. Mm. But he didn't care. his grandkids down there. You know, his daughter's probably in the village. And they could fillet him and burn him him alive. And he wouldn't have cared. He would have done the exact same thing. But instead what happened is they turned and ran like the cowards that they were. And there was a whole group of them. So, like, I know who they are. They're They're cowards that wouldn't even fight one old man. You know, but they'll walk into a helpless village. I mean, you know this firsthand. This is the things, those are the type of people that they are. They do not respond to real men of courage and brave men that will do violence on behalf of those behind them. And the people around me are skilled at violence. And that's what we're trying to do, which we're trying to teach people to be skilled at violence, not to be a militia, but so that they can go out to preserve and protect those that can't preserve and protect themselves. Are we going to fight for gays? Hell yeah, we are. Blacks, yeah. Asians, yeah. We don't care. Insert any way that you can label a human and and then take it all away because either way, it doesn't matter to us. It's just a person. And And every single life matters.
1: Yeah, man, without a doubt. I think you partially either influenced or inspired, but you're definitely affirming our fight for the forgotten vision statement, which is just simply defeat hate with love. Yeah. I mean that that is what overcomes hate because I've I've too seen it on a, a smaller scale, but I've seen what love can do and it can drive out that darkness yeah. and defeat hate with love, yeah. man. And
2: not only that, you know, on a much different scale, you always talk about bullying and it just mm. takes one person. There's yeah. all these studies yeah. that are just one person yeah. saying something saying as simple some, as saying something like "stop"
1: or <laughs> "hey, that's not kind." Yeah, yeah. hey, that's just not going nice. from being an innocent. A quote-unquote innocent bystander, which is actually a silent supporter. If you're the silent supporter, an innocent bystander, like the bullying situation, they didn't choose it to be hearing it, seeing it, or ignoring it. Like it chose them, but now they're there. They are present. Yeah, and and now they have the opportunity to do nothing or to do something
2: or pull out their old musket.
0: Or to pull out their old musket, yeah. And be pulling out your phone and trying to get the Snapchat of the bully doing thing. Like you Mm. are absolutely contributing to that. Yeah. And I love that you say like stop or hey Mm -hmm. that's not kind. You know, like any one of those things ends it. It does not need to be like people think. Like a bully-proof person is like the the tough strong skinny kid that's gonna go walk up to the bull and be like hey man don't do that you're like I'm gonna have to fight you that's not what it is Mm-mm. yeah like it's a position of love being like man that's that's not a nice thing to say to yeah. that person that's not no. whatever
2: it is just as simple
0: yeah and, so and
2: they and they run away like yeah. you were talking about
1: have you ever seen the battle of Kruger on YouTube no it's from like I mean I was in high school I think whenever it went viral but millions and millions and it's maybe like a six or eight minute video. But it's, I think it's in the Maasai Mara or the Serengeti. And there is a herd of Cape buffalo, but there is a, I don't know if it's injured, but I know it's a a calf. And it's this um, calf buffalo that is in the back of the herd. And it's smaller, younger, potentially weaker. Um, And this pride of lions comes and they pick it off. And when they pick it off, they're right by a river. And the lions tumble down, two or three of them, tumble down this cliff, and they end up in the river. And now a crocodile, a massive crocodile, big boy, um, chomps this Cape Buffalo calf, this baby calf. And now they're doing tug of war. Literally tug of war, two or three lions. I've seen a photo. Yeah, pulling against a crocodile, one baby calf. Cape Buffalo. All the other Cape Buffalo ran and they're fleeing for their lives. But and one's running with them. But it stops and it looks back and stops and it decides to turn around. Yeah. Whenever one turns around, another one turns around and another one. And they go up, and the lions basically pull back from the crocodile, croc loses. And now they're about to just eat this thing. And now there's four or five of them standing there and they're kind of like, I don't know, pawing the ground or whatever, hoofing it. And one decides to run in there and hit one lion up just gnarly into the air, eight to 10 feet in the air. And, but now it's not just two or three lions. Now it's like literally eight or 10 of them. And there's only four or five Buffalo. But when that one comes in and hits uh, one, one lion, now the, the lions are all on guard. You know, they're backing up a little bit, but still want that calf and then another one just takes just a couple steps forward, and another one just takes another couple steps forward, and they don't charge again, but they just stand their ground. Yeah. And that baby calf gets up and walks back into the herd. Wild. And dude, it was
0: epic. Yeah. And there's there's a three photos that um it's a meme that's shared all the time. It's a little cartoon, and it has the dictator. He's standing there with a the whip, and everybody is down bowing before him. And they the dictator's just sitting there whipping, whipping, mm. whipping. And then one person stands up and the whip is directly, directly centered at this one person and then three people stand up. And then the last photo is the people stand up Mm. and the dictator is down on his knees. What we know is pleading for his life. And, um, you know, but she just said it, man, it just takes one. Yeah. It just takes one act of courage, one act of selflessness, one act of bravery. And then the, everything changes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, is this the picture, Amy? Yeah, what you pulled up. Uh, yeah, I thought he might think, pull it up uh, there. But, maybe. Yeah, there you go. Maybe Grant can pull it up for us. Mm-hmm. It's on well, my screen. Oh, I see it. Oh, That's yeah. powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then w- that reminds me. how did you the picture find that, that so I've fast? Seen. I'm quick. She's yeah, young, how did Amy. You do that. You're like <laughs> <laughs> Joe's got young Jamie. I got young Amy. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, no offense, Jamie, but this one's pretty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love young young Jamie. Just uh. Yep. There it is. There, uh, wow! So that's powerful. You're watching on YouTube. This I is how you can see it. And there's I, I, another I described one. that pretty. pretty you accurately. It. pretty accurately. That's how I
2: looked it up so fast. You described it so well.
1: Can you look up one that is? Oh God! Now you gotta... <laughs> <laughs> there's there's one. Uh, it goes with a John Maxwell quote that you're reminding me of. A good leader uh knows the way goes the way and shows the way. I love that. And there's one of like basically a boss at the top and yeah. he's got a whip cracking like these people pulling him sitting up there. And so it's a boss and a leader. Boss is up top, he's cracking the whip. And then it goes below and it shows leader and the leader's out in the front and he's basically like cracking the whip forward basically like basically calling them all like hey this is where we go and that's that's who you remind me of man.
0: That is my my philosophy of leadership. Yeah. Like you just named it by, with, and through. By, with, and through. Yeah. How do you break that down? What does Um, that mean? By the people that I'm with, like by their side, Mm -hmm. shoulder to shoulder. And you can't be by them unless you know the process. So by, with, and through is I'm doing it literally with them. I'm not just like geographically located with them. I'm also doing the act in the process. And Mm -hmm. I know that the success of it, I can't do it by myself. Um, like who cut the ribbon at sheepdog response? Yeah, that's it. It wasn't yeah, me. It wasn't me. Yeah, I own that building right out. I own that company hundred percent. Like, but it was, it was my colleagues, my team, partners, yeah. my team that cut the ribbon because it's through them that we actually have these programs. Did yeah. I give every block of instruction at the sheepdog response no. course that you're on? No, I didn't. I, I, I didn't teach most of it. It was mostly taught by other totally more equipped people. So uh, by them, with them and through them. Mm.
1: I think even an, another example of that, I love a Swahili proverb and it's uh, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together and how you had so many of your partners and companies you love that were all there for the grand opening and you were spotlighting them, telling everyone that's there celebrating you and your team. Like, Hey, go celebrate these people because they're doing incredible things. I love them. They love you. They're here for you. And just the, tone that you set right up front and all through the event was like, it was so cool to see everyone rallying around each other and all the different companies. That was epic. Even, even black rifle. Uh, what was the, the school that got $5,000, is
0: my school your school right yeah, yeah so, that's what so we have a scholarship fund can you can you explain apogee exactly what it is so a- apogee the word is, is it's, it's like the summit if you're trying to climb mount everest and you reach the top that moment is the apogee of your effort right and it, it's the crescendo of the music it is the peak effort um that ensures success that's what apogee is and um You cannot get to the top of Mount Everest with somebody carrying you. Mm. I don't care what Sherpa you have. You have to put your feet on the ground and move. And uh, so for the scholarship fund, we have a lot of families that I want to attend and they want to attend, but they can't afford to attend. Mm. Um, but I know that there's value in diversity, and that there's value in having different viewpoints from different socioeconomic classes, from different races, from different religions. There's value in think coming from different, um, having different lenses of life. Yeah, and um, you know, if you're in an, an echo chamber of ideas, if you're on Twitter, right, mm-hmm. like and everybody's just sharing the exact same bullshit. Like, there's no new thought there. And it's yeah. just sharing, resharing of bad ideas. And these bad ideas gain more m- momentum. Well, how do you defeat bad ideas? It's with good ideas. Yeah. A better idea. I mean, the better idea. With the better idea. You know, and when, in tech right now, when they're trying to censor the ideas that they don't like, even if they're better ideas, you know, well, at this moment in time, we can take a young mind and give them the ability to critically think and. And start shaping the lens and perspective that they're going to view the world. And I don't want that to be whitewashed. Hmm. I don't want that to be rich private school. I want them to have an understanding of compassion and grace, so they can look at somebody that's suffering, whose parents, you know, their soldiers and their dads deployed a year at a time, and the mom is acting like a single mom with four kids. Hmm. Like that—that's somebody I need my school. Yeah, you know, and and, uh, so that's the point of the scholarship fund is so that we can get everybody in there and have those ideas. Mesh and meld. I love that. The thought
1: of diversity because I, dude, the place that I was taken to school, I mean, was around the campfire. They called it Campfire University. And sitting around that campfire and sharing you know they're a storytelling society and hearing those stories from a completely different culture country community that like i honestly had no context for until i was there living with them fell in love with them right away yeah. but ended up living there and, and you you know that going to new places new a lot of people don't get to travel and see it's a bummer that yeah it is and then you had something really special you said there it was a it was a speech. We might have Amy pull it up, but actually sure. she just pulled up the website for the school. Yeah. What is the website, Amy? So people can check it out. Uh,
2: people can check it uh, Apogeecedarpark.org.
1: Yeah.
0: And what A-P-O-T. a cool school. Um, yeah. That's, that's awesome that you're part of that. Oh, All yeah, right. We're going. We have our our first. So we opened in September for the fall, um, and we have our first grand so we have like our founding families and man i love our families uh, but they were like the cornerstones and pillars of this school uh, we hadn't grown or scaled we just want to make sure we had the right families and and we did have a couple of families that weren't the right mix right because it's it takes a lot of ownership uh to 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 educate in this way so yeah. th- it takes the whole family unit to be totally committed to it to to really believe in this process um so now it's now it's time to grow and uh, so we have our first ever open house tomorrow. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> hey, thank you for being here with us <laughs> yeah. today. And uh, so we have 150 families that are coming in at one time to, you know, like, I'll share the vision. Uh, Alexis, our head of school, will kind of, like, talk about how the process and, and why Apogee is different. And then uh, and then all the guides will, you know, talk about their classrooms. And then the parents, then we have this this town hall, this uh, parent-led discussion where every one of these families can ask any question to mm. the parents and uh, and and the heroes, because the heroes are there. Yeah. Have to, this is really cool. Imagine this happening at a, at, a, at a school board meeting where an eight-year-old walks up and the eight-year-old is the center, is the nucleus of everything that happens in that room. Wow. It's not some asshole adult that has power and, and dictating what curriculum is going to be used. It's going to be an eight-year-old that's like, I don't want to do that book. I don't want to learn about that. <laughs> and you have to have faith that that. I know you're there's there's some scary thoughts there because you're <laughs> going to have to give that eight year old trust, and you will have to equip that eight year old to be able to make <clears throat> the right decision about what's going to be the right. Thing. And that's why we have the guide, right? Like think about a, a bowling ball going down a lane with bumpers. Mm. You're like the guide is the bumpers, but that ball is going to roll, and there's going to be inertia and energy behind it, and that is the hero itself. And it's going to hit pins, and depending on how and when we bump them, the right direction is whether they're going to get a strike or just get a couple of pins.
2: Nice,
0: wow, that's awesome, man! You are a guy that has so many
1: different skills, and I mean, like, like a craftsman. You are honing those skills constantly, whether it's wrestling or jujitsu, or boxing or kickboxing. Or, with guns and with uh, everything you've done in special forces and in war, and business and being an entrepreneur and starting a school and the nonprofits that you help, I mean, it's for that, it seems like so much for one human being to do. But for somebody listening, like, what is your I know that there's no secret sauce or magic pill but what is your process of developing those types of skills or
0: learning new skill- skills yes. um, in the same way that you deal, So some people can deal with more stress hmm. and the reason they can deal with it is they have more because they have more coping mechanisms, right? They have, um, they get good, a good night's sleep. They exercise, they eat good food. Um, they don't drink alcohol. They don't smoke they have a healthy family unit you know they have a great partner they have great kids they're they they have good friends and all of those things all of those different coping mechanisms enable them to have more, be able to handle more stress well in volume of work and capacity and output of things that you can do um, maybe the threshold for some people is like way back here right they 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 don't have the discipline they don't have the regiment they don't have the passion but then they put down that bag of potato chips and, um, they, and they go and take a walk. And the next day, they're able to walk a little bit further and a little bit faster. And they, they decide to change their meals a little bit. And, uh, and now they're able to jog around the block. And then the next time they're not eating the potato chips anymore, they stopped smoking, they gave up alcohol, now they're eating clean food, maybe they're even meal prepping, and they they joined a gym, and now they're running. And now the output of work is increased. The speed that they can do it increases. The efficiency and the effectiveness of what's well, no different with business and with life. Hmm. Like if you start disciplining your life to be able to do more work and put more output... Um, that's what I've done in my life. Where somebody looks at me, they're like, Well, how is he writing a book? How is he on TV yeah. shows? You know, how is he able to do this with nonprofits? How is he able to dis- disappear and go overseas and go to Afghanistan and-, and then try to place people in Albania and then go to Greece and talk to the prime minister and see if he can get some kids and orphans there? And then he's trying to move a special operations team to Ukraine. All the while, he's running eight different businesses, which he owns and a school that he's doing an open house tomorrow while he's hitting the Justin Wren podcast <laughs> and fully supporting Justin and JP's new book that launches in April. Like all of those things, the capacity, and volume and output of work happens via discipline and regimen. So like I'm able to do more because I do more and then I fail and my threshold and what I can do increases and my mm. capacity and efficient, then I hire the right person to be able to take over something that I don't need to directly be involved in. And that person, I, I give vision purpose by, with, and through so them for them to be able to go and do it. So I didn't leave. I didn't let that go. I just have somebody doing it for me. And I still have that same passion, that same vision. I'm still by with and through them. And in a vertical organization, you, you can, in capacity, just keep building. Yeah.
1: Wow. That's really, really good. And when you talk about capacity, I did want to ask you this earlier. And because of the things that you've seen um, and gone through, I mean, some of the things you've overcome in specifically war, how do you... How do you balance that with being able to come back and not get jaded, not get burnt out, Mm -hmm. not give up hope? How do you keep hold of hope? And yeah. How do you keep hold of hope whenever you've seen so much stuff that could rob you of that hope, hope of humanity? You know, You've, you've had your, seems like you still have a new sense of restored hope in humanity, although it's balanced and you've
0: seen all the evil. Yeah. Um, I think if everyone accepted and acknowledged that they're not helpless hmm. and that they can do something whether it's a bully somebody standing up to a bully right like you just have to acknowledge that you can do something or or an entrepreneur you know a, a stay-at-home mom is like man this is tough. My my husband is working a nine to five, but he has to commute. So he has to leave at seven 30. He tries to get the gym. So he g- gets up at six, God bless him. Right. And then he comes home. He doesn't get, he gets off at five, but it's an hour long commute through traffic. So he gets home at 6 PM. So the 13 hours of his day is gone. Right. And she's like, I can't live like this. I don't see my partner. My, my kids don't get to see the dad. Um, so she like starts doing something. She starts making candles. you like, she just does something. She's not helpless. And, and, and when you accept and when you acknowledge that you are not helpless, that you can do something, what can you do? Well, I mean, that's up to you. Yeah. You can fucking do anything. Yeah. You just have to do something, but it starts with the acknowledgement and the acceptance that you're not helpless. Mm. And then man, go and do, then do more and then do more and then change the world. Yes. Wow. Well, man,
1: thank you so much uh, for being here being on the show, like you were one of the, the top guests I wanted to pick. And so well, to takes. make it happen. Thank you. I mean, the dream list, like you were on that. And so I'm really, really grateful. Um, I do have a couple questions for you because scars and stripes, uh, that's your book. That's it. You can pre-order it now. You can. Yeah. Yeah. And that'll be available probably everywhere, right? Barnes and Noble, Amazon. Yeah, everywhere
0: books are sold. Great. You can get it right now.
1: Um what would you like to plug for people to go check out and see? I mean follow you at Tim Kennedy online.
0: Yeah. Check out your website, Sheepdog Response. Um, um go pre-order the book. Yeah. Uh man if you read it Justin, don't think less of me. Okay. <laughs> um there's it, it is I wrote it in the first person in present tense and uh to m- help people understand what I was experiencing and feeling in that time while mm-hmm. I was making really bad decisions. It's really easy, you know, hindsight's crystal clear you know the the monday morning quarterback where you're like ah sunday game we totally could have won that had we done this yeah well it's it's monday of course we can look back and and realize the changes and adaptations that we could have made so the way that i wrote this book was in that moment complete failure Mm -hmm. you know in that moment a horrible decision you know catastrophically horrible that's hurting lives and 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 loss of life and uh and it's different than I think any book that's been written because it is so vulnerable and it's so raw and it's so exposed. So then I put this caveat in there to people that know me. I'm like, listen, don't think less of me, but you have to understand. I wrote, I wrote it in that way so people could really be immersed in that moment yeah. and, and understand why I took my clothes off, walked into the Pacific ocean and swam into the fog to die. There's a reason why I did that, you know, and you have to kind of be in that moment to understand. Well, thank you for
1: doing that, like writing the books in such a real raw way because that's going to be what what touches, impacts, influences, and changes lives. Hopefully. While I'm um, well, so on board, we got a it. trip
0: overseas together. Okay, yes, absolutely. Looking forward to that. 100%. And we got a class uh, yeah. that i will yeah. see you at. Yeah. It's in North Austin. It's in Cedar Park. So, all right. Yeah. Can I come because I have the lady hair? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> right, you can be present. <laughs> uh, yeah, we do have a couple of men, even though it's an all-woman attended class. Yeah. Um, we have- a few men as instructors that are present. And it, we, I'd love you to be there. Uh, sure. If Amy's in it, yeah, I could help on. with the grappling. And... Yeah, because it's di- like a girl grabs you. You can learn the technique. But when Justin grabs you, it's a different thing. Like if, if, if you're going to get out of that, it's a different thing when a man grabs you or pushes you. I can't
2: you. get out when he grabs me.
0: You can, <laughs> yeah. Okay. First, acknowledge that you're not helpless. Ah, uh, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe you can't get out from underneath him, and that's weird. We don't want to talk about it. <laughs> but you can't take a knife. She doesn't want to get out from underneath us. me. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, you can. Yeah, I can. Yeah, you can put holes in his body, and those holes will bleed. Mm. Yeah. 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 Wow. Thank you for the opportunity. Nah, for you, you to be here
1: today, I love you, man. Yeah. I love you so much. We're changing the world, right? Yes, right. absolutely. We're not helpless, and yeah. we're letting other people know they're not helpless. They're not. I love that. There's always hope. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anything else that we could
0: let people know that you're doing? No, stay safe, stay free, um, fight, don't be helpless and get on board with the freedom train. Yes. Like the pendulum of freedom feels like it's swinging back to common sense and logic and critical thinking where like people aren't going to like just look at the news and be like, okay, I'll just do what this person's telling me. Instead, they're like, that's not the best thing for me or my family. So kiss my ass. I'm going to do something else. Like that's what I want Americans to re- realize that we carved our existence out of the wilderness you know and, and we fought wild animals and uh, and ate their flesh to be able to survive and then the British were like ah but we're gonna tax you on this and you actually don't get a say and they're like cool we're gonna kill you So we're free so we're free. Um, that's who we are yeah and let's not forget that Absolutely. Wow, what an
1: episode. Thank you for being here. yeah love you bro. Gah! yes.
2: Hey, don't forget to send your Overcome stories to OvercomePodcast at gmail.com. And also rate, review, subscribe, and follow Overcome with Justin Wren.